2: Hello, hello again. This is after a week off for the Futures game and the MILB All-Star break. This is the Hot Sheet podcast, which means Hot Sheet is back and Josh is back. That's me and Jeff is back. That's him. Say hi, Jeff. Hey there. We're uh, we're burning the midnight oil or the 1042 Eastern uh, in the evening oil uh, on the first of what should be two crazy trade deadline days. Uh, we're recording this tonight just because, you know, we want to get this out before the deluge of trades begins tomorrow anew and don't have to be recording while something crazy happens. But, you know, we're going to talk, we're going to do what we always do, talk a little bit about the hot sheet and a lot about baseball and what we've seen over the past couple of weeks and all that good stuff. So let's start with the hot sheet, Jeff. We started with uh, Blake Walston, Arizona left-hander at number one. What made you the picker this week? put Blake Walston at number one.
3: Yeah, I think it was just, um, you know, when you're looking at a week, like the one that we just had, or at least the the period where it's, it's not, you know, a clean, typical six game series. Um, so you're going to have, I guess, a, a, a bounty, a plethora, so to speak of potential options, particularly on the pitching side, um, that were sort of able to compile because they potentially made, you know, two starts, maybe even three. I don't know if anyone made three actually, but um, of all those guys, uh, Walston to me had the most consistent performance um, across both of his starts. Um, Both five inning turns, uh, both gave up an earned run each time, um, struck out eight uh, in one and struck out 10 in the other. Uh, in the eight strikeout performance he only walked one um, and uh, in the 10 strikeout performance actually he walked four uh, only allowed one hit and it was a home run um, so you just sort of look at like you know sort of base runners it was all sort of the same I think it was um, four or five base runners in each so just like the consistency um, you know I think also the fact like not to put like age and level there but this is also a lefty that you know, just turned 21 a little bit more than a month ago, um, like only by a few days. So uh, he's in double-A, pitching well, uh, in a tough environment. Um, one of those starts was a home start in Amarillo um, against a Corpus Christi lineup that has a few guys, or at least one that's in the hot sheet actually uh, this week as well, in uh, Justin Durden. So I just thought, across the board, de- degree difficulty, the general sort of compiler stats, that we'll look at just over the given sample. I think he just checked all the boxes, and I think of all the names on the list, he's probably the best, if not one of the better pitching prospects, uh, pretty easily. So, um, yeah, sort of dug the the Walston work this week.
2: Yeah, you know he's he's uh, taking on the task that nobody envies, and that is pitching in Amarillo, where I mean, you know, pop ups are home runs, and it's a super hitters atmosphere. So it's really hard to kind of discern uh, success for a pitcher <laughs> at, at that particular location. I mean, his ERA right there is uh, it's like five point seven one. Yeah, it's not super great. Uh, where compared to where it was in Hillsboro, which was two point five five, but but sixty eight strikeouts and sixty and a third, probably still walking too many guys. But you know, there's signs of success he hasn't getting his brains beat in too badly so yeah
3: I thought it was it was sort of you know coming out of the break um maybe a guy has some time to make an adjustment whatever relax talk to a coach like whatever it is um see a guy make two good starts that were pretty consistent um in a tough environment as a young player okay you know guys are gonna have bumps in the road it's sort of um that's the way baseball is it's sort of you know the, the story of the game is, is how you deal with, um, you know, adversity. So I think it's a big part of it. And this stuff is, is, is good. I mean, he's not going to blow you away with, with heat, but he has got some hop in the fastball, some ride, good shape, um, good release characteristics. Uh, you know, the slider is fine. I, I like the curveball a lot. It's got a lot of depth. Um, and he's got feel for a change up too. Um, I think a big part of it is just once he takes that, that, Turn and sort of um, really sort of hones in his command from being sort of average-ish now uh, to above average to better, you know, maybe even plus, um, just based on the type of pitcher he is, how he moves, how the ball moves out of his hand. He's somebody that should, you know, sort of portend because of, of some of those traits to throw more strikes.
2: And I'm going to talk about someone that's going to surprise absolutely no one. Uh, number 15 on the list Jackson, Brian, Chorio, the uh, <laughs> the breakout prospect of the year, uh, post promotion to High A Wisconsin, where he's going from you know Zebulon to Appleton, Wisconsin, being exposed to a whole world of cheese up in the uh, the Midwest. The uh, first series there this week, and he did pretty darn well. Um, got his first home run at the level on Saturday. And I think it was Saturday and it was crushed a hundred miles an hour off the bat, about four ten to dead center on a line. Pretty impressive stuff for a guy who again, is not only just 18 years old. He's not even 18 and a half. He would be in this coming year's draft class. The one that our our colleague, Carlos Colazzo is out on the showcase circuit looking at right now. He's, that young and he's in high a already i can't say it enough there's a lot of markers there for this player to be incredibly special um i i don't i i I know i sound like a broken record but the section of the record i'm playing is pretty darn good and you might want to keep listening to it over and over and over again before you move to the next track i also wanted to go next next down the board jordan walker you know Right before our last issue went to press, I did a thing where I surveyed scouts about, um, you know, the best hitter and pitcher they would seen all year. And one said to me, Jordan Walker. And, you know, one of the things that stuck out in his quote was that, you know, you see the massive exit velocities and the hard hit balls, but that he didn't think he had fully tapped into his power yet, which was kind of, you know, your eyes get real big, your pupils kind of dilate, like, if he's not fully tapped into his power yet with the stuff we saw last year and this year, what kind of monster are we looking at here? And then this last two, two of the last three games before today, Monday, he hit two home runs on Friday and then two home runs again on Sunday. So that's four home runs in three days, which is pretty impressive considering he had eight home runs in the prior, I think 72 games. Uh, So he's starting to tap into that power, look out, double a and maybe triple a soon um what do you think about
3: jordan walker and jackson churio jeff yeah man um got an opportunity to to chat with jordan walker a little bit with uh with mason Wynn at the prospect pad before the futures game and he's a great guy great kid um you know really focused sort of knows exactly you know in terms of his swing um how pitchers are pitching him And I think he really defines himself as more of a contact hitter than even a power guy. Um, He's not necessarily looking to, you know, sell out in each pitch or, you know, he's not looking to play hero ball and, you know, smoke a homer Uh, every time he steps into the box. It's just about taking good at bats, um, making contact on strikes, swinging at strikes, not expanding. And he's done a really good job of that since coming into pro ball. I, I really think that, when you look at where he was as an amateur player, um, you know, to where he is now, that's an element of his game that I think had a lot of question marks. And he's done an excellent job of sort of just um, taking the next step, uh, so to speak, in that particular area, just from about to ball and. Um, you know, just a swing decision standpoint. Like I I didn't necessarily think he was going to be this kind of hitter uh, at this level this soon. Um, Thought he was a guy that would struggle a little bit with the swing and miss and he hasn't as much. So um, yeah, as you said, sort of look out um, and he's the kind of guy alongside when Gorman uh, and some other players where, you know, you could potentially be talking about enough to acquire, um, you know, somebody here big <laughs> at the trade deadline. You know, I don't know if it's Juan Soto, but I, I would imagine at least puts some in the running.
2: Yeah. And before we uh, start talking about the trades that have gone down the last 48, 72 hours, we are going to take a short ad break right
1: now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: And we're back, so we're going to talk about some trades that have gone down uh, the last weekend or so. Uh, specifically, the uh, the Luis Castillo bomb that dropped on I want to say was it Friday or Saturday night. Uh, the Reds made out like bandits, uh, as did the Mariners. Let's not be cl- let's be clear here. It's great that the Mariners are bolstering their rotation to try to end the longest playoff drought in American sports, uh, and did so with the best starting pitching option that we know is on the market. It's good to see that those guys are going for it uh, and really seizing the opportunity. And a a pretty good arm goes to uh, Seattle for the next couple of years, but they did give up a pretty darn good package and have bolstered what I will call Cincinnati's shortstoppily with Ellie de la Cruz, the new additions, uh, Noel V Marte, Edwin Arroyo, and they've also got uh, Trey Faltine, uh, Matt McLean, Jose Torres. I'm I'm sure I'm forgetting some guys in their system, but they've got just an array of shortstop prospects right now, which is a great problem to have. I mean, shoot, if you look at the Ohio-based minor league systems, there is just, you could probably do a good top 30 of middle infield, or at least a 20 of middle infield prospects just for Cleveland and Cincinnati. But we're talking about Cincinnati. Jeff, what did you think about the,
3: uh, the Reds return for Mr. Castillo? Yeah, I think you got to start with, you know, of course, the, the two big shortstop prospects there. Um, Noel V Marte, I think, uh, you know, a few years ago, um, probably was sort of viewed as a potential like one, one overall type of a prospect. I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm talking out of turn when I say that there was a lot of helium around him. When he first sort of came Stateside, he hit uh, there. If I remember correctly, there might even have been some sort of tall tales uh, from that alternate site, you know, some of the, the mammoth home runs that he had hit. Um, we saw that. It wasn't as quite quite as explosive as we had necessarily thought. Um, he's still a very good hitter. Um, you know, I don't think he's a shortstop long-term. There's probably some body questions maybe too. Um, but I think overall, I mean, the kid can still really hit. Um, though I do think, you know, if, if we're talking about like an impact regular, I think there's probably some question there, right? Like there wasn't necessarily – A couple of years ago, even a year ago, that, you know, there was, like I said, a lot of helium. People sort of viewed him as a potential, you know, um, all-star major leaguer at some point. Um, But I don't think that's necessarily the viewpoint any longer. He's still a very good prospect, a top 100 player. I don't think that's a question. Uh, Evan Arroyo, on the other hand, has probably been the biggest breakout of uh, last year's draft class. I almost wonder if you had asked, you know, secretly polled all 30 executives – and ask them sort of uh, where Edwin Arroyo would rank on their draft board. Now Um, I I don't think I'm talking on a turn to say that like he could have gone in the top 10, Um, certainly within the top 15. I, you know, I'm sure there's a few teams that picked in the first round that would probably want to do over and be able to swap with Edwin Arroyo. So really good pick up there. Um, You know, then we look at uh, the couple of other uh, arms uh, that they acquired as well. Um, you know, Andrew Moore isn't uh, nothing. Um, you know, I think uh, he has such a boring name that you just sort of expect it to be like, oh, Andrew Moore, great, you know. Um, but in reality, Andrew Moore, uh, you know, he's only 22 and, you know, at six foot five, he's got a fastball that sits 96 to 97 miles per hour. Believe up Per trackman, he has been clocked as high, and I'm not kidding you, as 103 miles per hour this year. Um, so obviously this is a guy that throws hard. Um, it's a really low release, despite the fact that he is uh that he is six foot five. Um, you know, so it's a flatter VAA. Uh like with a lot of tall guys, a lot of it comes down to the fact that he gets really good extension. He's getting like six foot in like, you know, four inches, five inches of extension. He's getting down the mound, you know, that allows him to throw from a fairly low release height. His arm slot obviously helps that as well. Um, and it's one of the reasons that he's got a near 40% whiff rate in his fastball. Um, so he's one guy, Levi Stout is kind of down this year, but a guy that's shown, Four pitches. Um, his changeup was a lot better last year than it's been this year. He hasn't been throwing it as much. So I don't know if there's something going on there. Uh, and they maybe think they can unlock that. But I really like the return overall. And I even thought like beyond the headline names here, the two arms are interesting. And um, you know, despite some turnover in the front office in Cincinnati, they still have a lot of good pitching coaches uh at the major league and at the minor league level. So um perhaps they can unlock that with a couple of these guys here particularly uh more who throws so hard
2: my my favorite thing about Levi Stout I remember last year I went to the northwest to see Kirby and Brash and I was hoping to see Julio Rodriguez but he got promoted like the day I got there uh We're trying to keep him away from you they succeeded I've barely seen him in his career and I was in the major leagues in Seattle of all places I won't see him um But Stout was the guy on the third day, but I had to get home and, you know, get ready for the flight the next day. So I watched three innings, and he was okay. And then I got home, and I saw he went, like, super shove for the the rest of the game. And I texted some scouts who were there, and they're like, yeah, his fastball went up three miles an hour when you left. And he started throwing the changeup, which was his signature. It might still be this and you know, is this hammer hammer change up. That's not really a thing you say. This nasty nasty changeup, and just cut through everyone when you left. And it was one of those, oh come on, sort of moments. <laughs> like,
3: why you never? it's why you never leave a game early.
2: Uh, uh, I, I get the
3: sentiment, but. <laughs> <you
2: know. laughs> oh, it's I can. Like if, if this I
3: last year, I, like the one Cape game, I left really early. I left like in the seventh inning. It was, I think it was a blowout at Brewster. And I was like going to like meet my kids at the beach for the sunset with my wife. And like, as soon as I left the park and I packed up, Spencer Jones, now first-round pick of the Yankees, hit an absolute bomb. And like, if I had been there just like 10 more minutes, I would have caught this bomb and had like a great video. But the memories with my children and family, much more worth it, but still. Did,
2: did, did your children hit any bombs that day?
3: No but well we there did, you did go take a very nice a, a very nice family photo at mayflower beach so you
2: know
3: <laughs> in the end who wins uh well i don't that's that's up to you
2: but no. anyway <laughs> america wins okay uh, moving on you know the the yankees speaking of which their first rounder is spencer jones but they they made a big move today they made a couple moves today actually they, they dealt they they cleared out some prospects who uh, were going go to go onto have to go onto the forty man and they used them to get some value. Uh, they got they swapped Hayden Westnesky for Scott Efros, a big league reliever who's under control for quite a while. And then you know that was the the appetizer and the main course was Frankie Montas, uh, who has amazingly I think been traded four times now for and uh, Lou Trevino for uh, four prospects that would be Ken Waldechuk. J.P. Sears, Cooper Bowman, and Luis Medina. Uh, again, since I'm kind of obsessed with the forty man, that's three guys, two guys who were on it, one guy who needed to in uh, wall to Chuck and Bowman who didn't need to as of yet. But they've they've really turned a lot of their prospect. They've dealt seven top thirty guys, I think, and Cooper Bowman who wasn't on it uh, in the past few days including the Andrew Benintendi deal to add Benintendi, Efros and Montes and Trevino, and they might not be done. And they've done all of it without touching Volpe or Peraza or Wells or Dominguez or Will Warren. All those guys are still intact, which means they could either do something with them now or later, or, you know, uh, hold on to them and see if they're going to be big league pieces, but they've really much succeed. They've really succeeded in their goals of, you know, bolstering the ro- the rotation as best they could after finishing, you know, second or third or whatever in the Castillo Derby, adding two arms to the bullpen and, you know, putting a little more contactability balance in the lineup um, and kind of bolstering themselves to the stretch run. What did you think of, I know we have disparate views on the two W pitchers, Wesneski and Waldachuk. Um, what did you think of the
3: moves? Yeah, I, you know, I, I thought the A's, I mean, we'll see how these guys do uh but they're near finished products i thought the a's did pretty well uh you know being able to land both um Chuck, uh and medina i think those guys are both rotation pieces uh legitimately so um you know i thought i thought that was it was a really good deal um in terms of you know their return and they've been making trades of late i don't know if people are familiar with this but they've made a lot of deals of late and uh, i don't know if the returns have always been great um i thought this was pretty good because i also think that cooper bowman can play uh and i forgot they get jp sears as well who i think honestly long term is probably going to be like a tweener kind of a pitcher um maybe you could use him behind like a, a, a an opener um you know that kind of guy and whatever maybe gives you big chunks out of the pen he's versatile though and i think he's pretty pretty interesting the stuff isn't huge he's got command and deception um well, the Chuck, the stuff is there yeah honestly and medina has always had stuff he's in this sort of period again where he's really commanding uh his stuff and i almost felt, feel like he took a big step forward right before the pandemic and then kind of caught up again in 2020, but. I feel like he's he's a potential rotation piece for a team like this now. Um I don't know really what you're gonna get out of sticking Louis Medina in the PCL and AAA <laughs> Correct. And you know one, on the 40 now, right? He's on the 40. Um, if
2: I'm well, not mistaken. Well, he is on the 40, correct. And I don't think and I don't think you're gonna get anything good out of sticking Luis Medina in the PCL no. where the in specifically in Las Vegas, where that kind of atmosphere can hurt a pitcher's feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, you put him in a place that's far more forgiving, like Oakland, and you'll see much better results. There is yeah, zero I, qu- there there's zero question that Medina's stuff is the loudest in this deal and possibly probably in the entire system. When he's right, you're talking about three plus or betters um, but it, it's just not consistent. He doesn't sync it correctly uh, correctly prop He doesn't sync it up and doesn't show the command that you want to see often. He's just when it's when it's really good when it's good, it's really good. It's you know you know uh, edge of your seat don't move type stuff. When it's not, he gets hit, or he's wild. It's it's one of the most maddening arms in that system. And you're right. He did take a huge step forward right before the pandemic. Like he was just, you know, uh, couldn't hit the broad side of a barn early in his career. It was very, very, it was borderline yips. But he got a lot better right before the pandemic. And then... You know, has been okay-ish. And the 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 big question is, I, I always wonder why has he not been in triple A. Um, he, obviously they have their reasons why he's not in triple A yet. He is uh he's been in double A in both affiliates for a while now. Or no, no, double A. He was both he was in Somerset. He never pitched in Trenton. But he is electric. The thing with Waldachuk that I have heard from scouts, I've never seen him myself. Somehow you have, is that the stuff is legit. The command and the arm action are scary. And they do not believe that definitively that he's, you know, a sure bet to stick in rotation, despite the numbers. They talk about consistency of the slider. They talk about, you know, how long the arm action is in the back. We talk about how kind of he'll lose that delivery, and the Yankees themselves admitted that you know they they worked with him to get more sturdy in the lower half of his delivery. Um, and there's there's reticence. I've talked to scouts before, uh, you know, the last two years about this, and it's come back consistently. Nesky over Waldechuk. and frankly, I talked to a scout as recently as this weekend about this thing. I said, you know, you've been on these guys for the last couple of weeks, how would you put those two? And it's Wisniewski over Waldechuk for the reasons I just mentioned. You know, Wisniewski's stuff might not be as loud as Waldechuk's, but the delivery and the command and the pitch ability are a bit better at this point. So if you told me that Wisniewski was going to be maybe a back-end guy or maybe a mid-rotation guy, and Waldechuk was going to be a powerful bullpen arm, I'd buy it. Is there a ceiling for more? Sure. But there's less certainty on it. And I, I know you, you're higher on Wall to Chuck, but that's kind of how I, I ranked them. I, they're two of the best arms in the system. I had them four and five. So that would be the number one and two arms in the system. And, you know, with Will Warren coming right up on them. So there's, there's they got some interesting pieces back there, and it'll be very interesting to see how both those guys play out over the next couple of years.
3: Yeah, and I think you know, like, um, maybe I got just a better look at uh Walvichuk than I did of, of Wesneski. Um, you know, I think the other part of it too is, um, I'm sort of a sucker for a lefty with velocity and secondaries and he's sort of one of these west coast um, pitch ability guys that that added velocity um i know in terms of you know walking batters versus striking guys out and getting whips uh that's sort of what the difference is there um but i mean it's 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 certainly difficult to definitively argue this this one one way or the other because they're both guys that have sort of produced to a, a, a similar level and just sort of different, different ways. And I mean, it's not and, like Wesneski stuff is bad at all. Obviously it's a great slider. So. And let's be clear here too. I mean,
2: they were both valued highly by the clubs that were receiving them. One of them was part of a four player deal for two really good arms. And the other Wesneski was for a good big league reliever who's under control for, I think I think he's a free agent in 2028.
3: It's like five years.
2: Is what yeah, like it's that's that's not nothing. That's a really long time to get a controllable guy. So that was a valuable piece as well. Um, and it, and shout out to their scouting and development, man. They've done a really good job turning their arms into big league pieces over the last couple of years. I mean, last year, uh, Jansen Junk got dealt for Andrew Haney. Say what you want, where Andrew Haney did in the big leagues. It was it's, it's a guy that maybe didn't necessarily fit on your big league roster at the time. I think Elvis Baguero was in that deal too. Um, they've, they've turned a lot of their arms into big league value, even if they're not on the Yankees. So they've done a really good, uh, Glenn Otto part of the, uh, the Joey Gallo deal. Again, not a guy who's really performed the way you'd want in New York, but the fact that they got that guy and turned him into a part of a package for the guy they thought was good going to be the last piece of a masher lineup was impressive. And again, they've done a really good job. They turn these guys every year. You'll find a pop-up arm who comes out of nowhere and jumps onto the map. Uh, this year, one of those guys is Luis Serna, who you'll read about in the issue of BA, who uh, might be on their way to your inbox now. It's probably there now. He's one of the big sleepers that popped up out of uh, the... Florida Complex League, 17-year-old with pitchability, up to 94 already. Uh, one of my favorite low-level arms in the minors right now. You know, notch below my my very tall uh, prospect friend, Harlan Susanna. Uh, that's the best guy in the, pros- in, the in the Complex League this year as far as arms are concerned. But I can't – I don't know why I have uh, veered into him, but I really can't go a day without talking about him. <laughs> so – in any case, you know, we've talked about trades, we've talked about the hot sheet. Jeff, I know you're going to see some some interesting arms this week.
3: You got about yeah. five minutes or so? Go. Yeah, we'll see. I'll see some interesting arms this week, but I'm also in the process of, I know we are a, as a site of collecting best tools for different leagues. I'm doing it as well for the Cape Cod League. Uh, so I have all those surveys out. I, I I'm, you know, have a, a, a group of Scouts and cross checkers and folks that are helping me out with that. Um, talking to the coaches and GMs I had the broadcasters do one as well. So I'm interested to get that back just um, especially hearing, you know uh, who are the sort of hot names coming off of uh, the Cape Cod League. I obviously have my own biases, but I'm trying to do the reporting here uh, despite having seen several games. Uh, regular season's going to end tomorrow and uh, we'll have some playoffs for a week or so. So I'll be mixing that in with um, getting some pro looks. And then after that, it's going to be all pro. But that's all right because um, there's a lot of decent pitching up in Worcester actually right now. So the AAA rosters are a little bit more interesting. That season goes a little bit longer. I think there might be some playoffs mixed in as well. So, yeah, I mean, um, a lot of stuff going on and I'm doing stuff on the pro and and amateur side just because uh, as I'm wrapping up the Cape Cod League here doing, you know, the overall ranking of players etc um it's really my my favorite time of year and i'm excited to you know continue to roll that stuff out here at ba i just recently put up a
2: piece uh with i sat down with anthony volpe and had him break down his swing and how it's changed from high school through last weekend um that was a pretty cool piece that he essentially wrote for me which is, <laughs> work smarter not harder kids um, and I saw Kyle Harrison and Randy Rodriguez. And this week, I, there's not a whole lot of teams in the area, but uh, if I get a chance and my car behaves, I will see Norhe Vera uh, for Canapolis when they're coming to uh, Zebulon. Uh, but other than that, we're updating our 30s. We're doing best tools. 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 And we are going to rank all the traded prospects once the dust settles. We're going to put the draft guys into their various orgs. Uh, So it doesn't stop here. You know, we've got our stuff going on. Like I mentioned, Carlos is out on the showcase circuit watching the Max Clark extravaganza uh, for the next few weeks and seeing how those 2023 guys line up. Um, And if you are a subscriber to BA, you already know how we think they line up right now. So lots of good stuff happening, lots of good stuff that will happen. And sooner or later, it's going to be actual top 10 season, Arizona fall league, the greatest of all leagues, uh, and all sorts of, uh, good stuff from now until then. Um, any last words, Jeff?
3: No, man. Let's, uh, let's get it.
2: All right. For Jeff in Massachusetts, I'm Josh in North Carolina for parrot. This is bear. See you later.